Your film is now ready to be shown. Good morning. I'm Justin Hendricks, editor of Tech Policy Press, a nonprofit media and community venture intended to provoke new ideas, debate, and discussion at the intersection of technology and democracy. In recent months, press reports have emerged about individuals in multiple countries falling victim to extortion and fraud schemes enabled by often highly rated lending apps downloaded from Google's Play Store. Last year, a Reuters investigation by Rena Chandran found dozens of lending apps in India that appeared to violate Google's policies against short-term loans. Chandran told the story of a housekeeper named Bumana Prasad who was locked into a cycle of debt after taking an instant loan for 3,000 rupees just $41, to help pay his rent. Receiving as many as 1,000 threatening calls a day, he contemplated suicide. For the publication Rest of World, Erica Lillian Contreras wrote about these apps in Mexico, including Sol Peso, Rafi Credito, Super Peso, Loan Lala, Money Flash, and Ifectivo. Contreras told the story of one woman who fell victim to these schemes named Maria. After Maria took a loan, Agents for the app Affectivo sent her 13-year-old daughter, her cousin, her nieces, and more than a dozen of her other contacts, a picture of a nude woman with Maria's face photoshopped on. Affectivo told her contacts she had become a prostitute to pay her debts. And last week, Diana Baptista and Avi Asher Shapiro, journalists at the Thomson Reuters Foundation, told the story of a man who fell prey to another app operating in Mexico, which was also available in the Play Store. To learn more about this phenomenon and Google's role in it, I spoke to Diana about the story last week. I'm Diana Baptista. I'm a data journalist uh, based in Mexico City for the Thomson Reuters Foundation. So before we launch into this specific investigation that you've done on these lending apps, I'd love to know just a little more about your reporting. What's your beat? What do you typically report on? Well, for around 10 years, I've been reporting on crime in Mexico and human rights. And now at the Thomson Reuters Foundation, I'm reporting on the three bases that we report on, that is tech, climate change, and inclusive economies. And this story is sort of a combination of everything like crime, cost of living, and tech. For this investigation, you take us inside what you call the Wild West of lending apps in Mexico. And before we talk specifics, I'm wondering if you can kind of set the scene for my listeners. What's the economic or social context in which this story plays out? Sure. Well, well, we are going here in Mexico through a bit of an economic crisis uh, since the pandemic. A lot of people have lost their jobs. And uh, it's, it's important to mention that half the population here in Mexico are working in the informal economy and therefore do not have access to banks or any sort of traditional banking uh, institution. And uh, in Mexico, it's very common to, you know, lend money. We have this sort of lending methods that you can find anywhere within your own company, even uh, among friends, uh, among strangers, and now loan apps that are, you know, very dangerous, very suspicious. And uh, it's, it's a tough time, economically speaking, right now in Mexico. And uh, one, one thing we do have a lot of access to is internet. You know, practically the entire population has the smartphone. But unfortunately, there is not enough digital culture or financial culture, uh, which allows people to be, you know, to fall into frauds and extortions very easily. Uh, we are not used to reading 
privacy policies, you know, nobody teaches you about this. We have no idea of what somebody needs to do to be able to legally lend money to somebody else. You know, there's practically no financial culture on that. And, you know, this is the context in which criminals thrive because of, you know, all the ignorance around the subjects. Can you tell us the story of Pedro Figueroa? So Pedro, uh, a 34-year-old man who works in IT, in March, he was having some trouble paying his bills and he needed like some very small amount of extra cash to pay his bills, right? And uh, he didn't have access to traditional banking institutions. He had tried out a couple of lending apps, uh, lending services that are, you know, provided by fintechs, you know, properly established here in Mexico. And uh, and he thought, okay, well, I'm just going to go into Google, uh, the Google Play Store, see what else is available. And he comes across Jose Cash, you know, uh, this app that is promising in five minutes to approve a loan without checking your credit score, which is, you know, fantastic because they, they don't know that you don't, that you have debt, you know, you're going to get the money without any problem, without any obstacle. And he's drawn into that. And he sees in the Google Play Store that the app is very well reviewed. He, uh, the app has like 4.8 out of 5 um, stars, you know, the reviews are all saying this is a very good app. Uh, the app helped me a lot. It's very quick. And he thinks, you know, this app has million downloads. It must be legit. And it's in the Google Play Store and it has a good rating. Like, why would the Google Play Store lie? And he decides to download it. And the moment you download this apps, you know, that's where everything goes down. Immediately after downloading the app, you get a notification with terms of service saying that the app will have access to a lot of your private information on your phone. And it's practically everything on your phone, you know, your pictures, your messages, uh, your social media accounts, your contacts, you know, everything, your calls. And uh, he doesn't really understand what it means uh, or how the information is going to be used because the terms of service are not clear. And he just says yes. And immediately without even getting the loan, the app already has access to all of his private information, you know, and he's unaware of everything that's going to happen the minute he allows the app to have access to his phone. And as promised, you know, the app in five minutes, you know, uh, they requested intimate information from him. And in five minutes, the app said, you have an approval for three different kind of loans. You know, he was asking for 10,000 pesos, which is around $500. And, uh, And the app said, you can pay it in 30, in 60, or in 90 days. And he was super excited, but he didn't notice the fine print, which said, you actually have to pay this in seven days. And so he clicks yes. And besides all the private information the app already had access to through his phone, he gave the app even more information, you know, like bank account, where he worked, the contact of his bosses, his family, uh, a picture of him next to his national ID. So this app has access to everything about his life. And he's completely unaware of what's going to happen because he wants the money and the app said, yes, you'll get it. But then he 
discovers like the first bad thing to happen to him is that he doesn't get 10,000 pesos. He gets half of it because the other, the other half is a commission he didn't see that is immediately uh, discounted from the amount you get a loan off. And, uh, and you don't even get to choose, <laughs> you know, it's, it's immediate, it's discounted from what the, the app was loaning him. And he, unfortunately he had to pay the 10,000 back. And then he didn't read that the app has a 300% interest in seven days. And by the sixth day, well, he was completely unaware, of course, that it wasn't going to be a 30-day loan. It was going to be a seven-day loan. By day six, he starts getting messages on his WhatsApp. In Mexico, we we only use WhatsApp. <laughs> That's the way we communicate here. And he starts getting messages from uh, these people working for it from the app saying, you know, it, you have to pay tomorrow. And he starts getting harassed, like, you have to pay the 10000 tomorrow plus interest. And he's like, what? But I had 30 days. And they tell him, no, you have to do it now. You have to do it now. And of course, he didn't have the money because it was six days. How was he supposed to get it? And he starts getting this intimidations like, hey, we're going to tell all your contacts. You're a thief. You're stealing from us. You need to pay us. And he starts getting harassed. And this app, these call centers, what they do is they tell you, if you don't have the money, it's okay we can lend you more money so you can pay us from there. And that's like a vicious circle, right? Because you, you never end up paying anything. And uh, so he gets more money from the app. And seven days later, he starts getting harassed again. And uh, in, a, in a matter of a month, he had this massive debt of around 60,000 uh, pesos, uh, which was a lot, considering he was only requesting 10,000. And uh, and he's desperate. He needs to download other apps to lend to lend him money to pay Jose Cash, and that's where the harassment starts increasing in tone. Um, he starts getting this very very graphic images of dismembered bodies. Uh, you know, real images probably taken from those websites that you know have pictures from drug dealers and the terrible things they do here in Mexico. So he's being sent this true, you know, this, this real pictures. And of course, uh, you know, any Mexican will immediately get very scared, very intimidating, thinking that organized crime is behind something, you know, you don't want to be their target. You start fearing for your life. They, they have your address. They have information on your children, your wife. He's very scared. Like he fears they will come to his house and, and kill his children. He's completely terrified. Uh, he, friends of his start getting this horrible videos, graphic videos of uh, minors getting raped, you know, and, and uh, this criminal telling him, this is what's going to happen to your friends. This is what's going to happen to your family. You need to pay all the money. This this poor man is completely desperate. He he doesn't trust Mexican authorities because you know usually we don't trust authorities here in Mexico. He doesn't dare to go to the police. He's uh, afraid he's going to die and everybody's going to die. And another method of intimidation is they start photoshopping the picture he sent with his ID. They start photoshopping his picture 
into posters saying like he's a pedophile, he raped a minor, he's wanted by the police. And they start sending that poster to all his friends, you know, and he's completely ashamed. He's embarrassed. All his friends are reaching out saying, hey, what's happening? What did you do? And he has to, you know, he has to call family and friends personally to say, no, this is an extortion. I'm in the middle of a fraud. Anyway, he's completely desperate. He starts thinking about suicide, you know, because now he's in a problem with 20 apps. He, He told me 27 apps lent him money and he was being harassed by 27 apps. And he said that at one moment he spent entire weeks just answering messages on WhatsApp and begging them not to send those edited pictures to his friends and not to harm his family. I mean, uh, it it was a very difficult situation for him. Uh, And that lasted until mid-May, you know, all all this harassment and uh, intimidation. What broke the cycle for Pedro? It's very interesting. So... Uh, There's no trust in authorities, so he resorts to social media. And he finds in Facebook a lot of Facebook groups of victims, you know, with thousands of victims sharing the same story, many sharing a story against this app, Jose Cash. And, uh, and, And he says, like, you know, I'm being harassed, I'm being intimidated, and some other victims tell him, oh, the same that's happening to you has happened to us, and we know how to help you. And uh, this is a method he described to me. It it even has a name after one of the victims. It's called the Russo method. And uh, this method is that they buy burner phones and they start communicating with the call centers through burner phones and downloading these apps on those phones that are empty or have, you know, false information. Uh, And therefore, your contact list is fake, your pictures are fake, and they have no real information against you. And at some point, uh, you know, the call centers realize they cannot get any money out of him, and they stop harassing him. And uh, he says he still owes money, and the interest is still going up, but they're not harassing him anymore because... They didn't have any information on him anymore. And he, you know, it's, it's something as simple as he stopped answering the phone. And at some point he realized, okay, you know, they're really not going to come after me. They're, they're really not going to come kill my children. Uh, they were just intimidating me. Uh, and he was very afraid and it was very real. But the moment he stopped answering the phone, that stopped. And, you know, that, that's, that was June. He paid off, he, he asked for a loan between his family and friends. They lent him money to pay off like a big chunk of the debt he had. But now, you know, the, the debt is still mounting and he's like, I just won't answer the phone anymore. And that, that really stopped everything for him. So you found that there were as many as 29 apps in the Google Play Store offering these loans in Mexico. What does Google have to say about this? Yes. So... Uh, At the beginning of the year, this collective that helps victims of crime here in Mexico uh, released a statement saying that there were 130 apps that they had received reports on from victims saying that these apps were extorting them. And they reported these apps to the police. And uh, and also earlier this year, many uh, police departments around the country were warning people not to download loan apps because something, you know, suspicious was going on. 
And then we looked at that list and we looked for the for this apps on the Google Play Store and we found out that from that those 130 apps that were reported to the police, 29 were still online. Some of them with different names, but the same, you know, unique Google app ID and the same privacy policies and everything. Um, so, so we found that that 29 were still there. We found 44 apps in total in the Google Play Store that are available for download. Not all of them have been reported to the police, but all of them had terrible, you know, they had the same, if not very similar privacy policies, like copy and pasted. And, you know, you could see they had not been written by a lawyer or anybody who knew about a Mexican privacy law. And, uh, and 29 of them had been reported to the police. And we actually sent this list to Google and they said they couldn't, you know, comment on any app specifically or individually, but uh, they did say that they were looking through it, that they considered it a serious issue and they, they had already removed or had investigated dozens of these apps and that they would continue the investigation. Uh, but they refused to comment on why, for example, Jose Cash is still on the Google Play Store under a different name and still swindling people, you know, and there are many reports against Jose Cash specifically, and there was no explanation on why this app would still be available when it's a fact that it, you know, it's extorting and defrauding people. So according to your article, a spokesperson for Google issued a statement saying, quote, we take this issue very seriously and are committed to providing a secure platform for billions of Android users. We've already implemented measures against more than a dozen apps and will continue to investigate, unquote. But it's also the case that your colleague in India has found similar practices there? Yes, uh, uh, Reuters investigation found, you know, identical practices in India. They actually changed, Google changed its own policies so these loan apps wouldn't be able to, you know, uh, upload their apps if they violated these policies. However, after publishing this article, we've received comments from people in Pakistan and India saying, hey, this is still going on and it's exactly the same method. And, uh, you know, it leads us to wonder what is happening that Google cannot remove this in time. And uh, we actually consulted several, several experts on this. You know, uh, one point that we were wondering about was why uh, do these apps have such high ratings? And, these, and th they have thousands of positive reviews that you know are fake, you know, because they're really worded in a weird Spanish, in a way no Mexican really speaks. And they are all similar. I mean, you can tell they are either fabricated or, you know, done by a robot or something. And we were wondering, why does Google allow this? And we were told by experts uh, that, you know, Google has no real responsibility to make sure that the ratings or the reviews are accurate. And in fact, Google has no responsibility over these apps at all. Uh, you know, it, it, there is a problem with accountability because there is no way to make Google responsible for what's happening. We were also wondering why do these apps all have the same privacy policies that are against Mexican law? 
You know, they, they are all reading in the same way and they all violate the same Mexican privacy laws. And experts again, again told us, well, you know, the, the platform is so big. How is Google going to check every single privacy policy that these developers upload to their platform? So in the end, it, it, it's a real issue with authorities, Mexican authorities, how are they regulating this? And the, the answer is there is no regulation for loan apps. You know, they, they are free to do whatever they want because in Mexican law, any institution can lend anybody money without being officially registered to as a banking institution. So this leaves, you know, victims in a place where they, they have nowhere to go. You know, the, the consumer regulator here in Mexico cannot help you out because these institutions do not exist. And when you go to report them, the, the regulator says, well, it's out of my jurisdiction. And all you can do is go to the police. But, you know, people do not trust the police here. So we, we can only assume it is wildly underreported. And, uh, you know, the, the only answer would be for Google to, you know, have some sort of policies or to check the policies or to check that these apps are not being involved with extortion and fraud. However, you know, it's not happening yet. There is no lobbying here in Mexico to make the, you know, platforms check the apps that are being uploaded to their platforms. And there is no movement to regulate this either. So, you know, people are pretty much helpless in this situation. Your story mentions also that similar practices have been discovered in Kenya, in the Philippines. You've mentioned just now how other countries where evidence has come forward as a result of your investigation. Has there been any other response to your report? Has there been any government activity or civil society activity there in Mexico or other evidence that's come forward? Uh, not yet. Uh, however, this is one of many articles that are being published on this subject right now in Mexico. It is a huge situation. Even the president commented on it like a month ago. And uh, he was made aware that this is happening and he called the population not to download these apps. And he said they are probably connected to organized crime and that they're going to, you know, the federal uh, secretary for security is personally like going to look into this. Uh, but response has been very slow, you know, um, again, because there is no regulation. And we were asking some experts like, OK, there's no regulation, but how can the police you know, investigate these apps. And this was very shocking. They told us that Google has no names, no addresses, no real information on who is behind these apps. So there's no way to track them, you know, in that sense. And the only way to track who is behind this would be through the call centers that are behind the extortion and the fraud and who are harassing you through WhatsApp. Um, however, you know, uh, it's, it's a whole deal what's happening in call centers. You know, we have information that, you know, they, they recruit young men without any access to any other jobs, you know, not criminals, just people without op job opportunities. And they're being drawn into these call centers with hundreds of clients or users, let's say, that they need to harass every day. It's a moment in which uh, police in every state in Mexico is investigating these call centers, trying to figure out where they are, where the money is coming from and bringing them down. But this is something that is happening as we speak. You know, there, 
there is still no accountability for what's going on here. Are you aware of what kind of business operations Google has in Mexico? Does it have a substantial presence there? No, they they responded from here from Mexico, and I am aware there is a Google office here in Mexico City. We, we did notice that many of the apps that have been reported to the police were actually removed by Google. But they pop back again with different names, you know, but you can realize it's the same app because it leads to the same website with the same privacy policy and the same contacts, you know, like the same email. And uh, it's, it's really a matter of how much can Google do if these apps just keep popping up every time they're removed. Uh, it seems like a never ending cycle. And we also noticed that some apps that had been removed and didn't come back to the Google Play Store had their own websites and you could download the, the Android package directly from their web page. And the way they promote this is with people standing outside the subway you know, that the subway is usually very crowded and they're, you know, with pamphlets saying, hey, download, enter our website and download our loan app from our website. So they don't have to go to any platform because they're getting removed. So they, the criminals are actually finding ways to, you know, to, to have people download their apps, even if they're not available on, on the Google Play Store. You know, it's really complicated, I believe, because even if Google might be obviously trying to control this, it might not be enough. That's a fascinating detail about individuals promoting it at the subway. I guess it does suggest that it's a fairly substantial local operation. You mentioned in the story that this one civil society group has documented more than 2,000 cases of this type of fraud. Have there been any actual physical altercations? Have any of the physical threats materialized? Yes, it has all been digital harassment. Uh, they, they didn't have any story or any case in which the threat had actually come true. However, uh, they, they did notice that, for example, in some cases, uh, the people didn't even get a loan. You know, it was just the moment the app was downloaded into your phone and had access to all your private information, then they had access to information that to extort people, right? And, uh, and Salvador Guerrero, who was the, the man who, from this collective who gave me the interview, he mentioned that people are being forced to give money to criminals, you know, to make deposits through convenience stores that we have in every corner here in Mexico City. And they have to deposit, you know, every week, certain amount of money uh, without ever getting a loan. And that, that was very worrying. We also have cases of what, you know, revenge porn, uh, which actually we have regulated here in Mexico with a law called the Olympia law, which forbids revenge porn. And, you know, they, they take your personal pictures and they are posting them online. So they, they, were, they were creating very, very real damage, even though they weren't killing anybody. And, uh, and, 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 you know, even leading to some cases of, you know, people wanting to commit suicide or actually committing suicide. I should mention that Pedro is a pseudonym. You haven't identified him in this story for his own safety. But how is Pedro? What's his status now? Well, it's actually a fascinating story with Pedro. So by mid-May, when he paid off part of his loan and he stopped answering phones, uh, the phone, he felt very empowered. He realized he actually had the power 
to fight these people back. And so he made uh, he made this YouTube persona called Mr. Cobron, which is, uh, <laughs> he, he wears this luchador mask and he has a TikTok and YouTube accounts. And he, all he does is troll these call centers with burner phones. And it's hilarious, you know, because, you know, uh, call centers, the, the people in call centers call to harass him and he starts trolling them and he starts flirting with them. <laughs> He's like, how, how can I hook up with somebody in a call center? He's having so much fun doing this, but also he has like millions of views uh, from people who are reaching out saying, hey, I need your help you got out of this, how can you help me, you know, get out of this as well? And he's teaching people the Russo method. He actually told me, and he was like, maybe I shouldn't tell you this, uh, that there are some people who are getting burner phones and downloading the apps and getting the loans and then not paying back. <laughs> They're scamming the scammers. And at some point, some of these apps didn't even have money anymore. <laughs> you know, for their false operations, which he found very funny. I found very funny as well. So he's finding ways to, you know, get back at them and to empower other victims and, you know, to let them know. He, he told me, like, at some point, you're so into this harassment and this fear that you do not realize it's not real in a way. You know, you can just stop answering the phone and they go away. But they get in your head. And because we have all this fear around organized crime, it works very well for them. But the moment you, you know, you let go of the fear, then you can start, you know, either scamming them or having fun with them. And so now he has this public persona and it's, you know, he's helping people as well. He, he told me he felt very proud of what's happening, that perhaps, you know, all this happened for a reason and um, that he was glad he could be helping people now. An extraordinary story. And it sounds like an extraordinary individual. What's next? What's the next story for you? So we want to look into call centers. That's the way we think we can follow the money, uh, find out who is behind these operations. So we're, we're going to start investigating the people who are working in these call centers. Uh, we want to know how do, how do they get recru recruited? You know, what's the operation like? Uh, who teaches them to, to do this extortion? Who's editing the pictures and, and sending them to people, you know? And, uh, and we want to understand the economic and social context in which these call centers are thriving uh, because we understand that these are people that are, were, you know, are not criminals. They, they're not part of organized crime, but there is no other possibility for jobs. So this is all they can do. Diana, thank you so much for speaking to me today. Thank you so much, Justin. That's it for this episode. I hope you'll send us your feedback. You can write to me at justin at techpolicy.press or find us on Twitter at techpolicypress. Thanks to my guest, thanks to my co-founder, Brian Jones, and thank you for listening. Policy Press.